Welcome to the Great Honey Podcast. I'm Maya, the Omerlin B. I'm Marcel, the Gleeman. This is a show where we talk about all things Wheel of Time. If you're joining us from YouTube, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe. I never thought I'd actually say it in my life, so, but <laughs> I gotta tell you because it helps. And leave a comment so we can keep talking. Thank you for coming to week two of the show. Yeah. Episode seven. What did you uh, What did you think? What were your initial thoughts after finishing it? Um, I mean, I was really, really excited for it. And so I'm always really scared that when you're really <laughs> into something that it's going to be overhyped in your head. That's what happened to me when I was watching Inception, for example. I hated it right. because it was so overhyped in my head, but this one did not disappoint. In fact, yeah. it was above my expectations and i feel like that happens every episode so yeah i think uh, this is kind of where i'm at too i uh i want to say this is my favorite so far but i did have some i think the same with the last episode there's some pacing things that were weird but i thought the the progression of the story through the ways and all the way to the end where we kind of know where we're going to end up in terms of who the dragon and what the finals like, you know, showdown's going to look like uh, Moraine and, and Ran heading into the blight to go to the eye of the world. It just, I don't know. It kind of sets the story in motion for me. And I kind of liked where everything is kind of set up for the, for the season or in pretty much the show going forward. So I'm going to say this is probably my favorite one so far. So let's get into what, happened in the show do you want to talk about the cold open I actually from from reading reader perspective I didn't really know the story of Rand's mom very cool okay. mom reveal <laughs> I mean I this part of it uh, you know I didn't expect this at all there was a the showrunner Rafe Judkins had said that we would see or meet Nail. Uh, that we wouldn't expect. And I definitely did not expect to meet uh, Rand's mom. Uh, and I don't know if they actually, they don't actually give her name anywhere um, other than the behind the scenes stuff or the stuff on the website. But uh, I just thought it was awesome. Um, I don't know how <laughs> the the actress, I forget her name, but she does such a great job not saying Selena. anything. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think she's on Twitter and she's yeah. been getting a lot of praise rightfully for this I mean, it's just insane. And it kind of sets this bar really high for the IEL going forward because this is a woman in active labor, like fending off what I assume. And because I think a few of them, you can actually see the, uh, they're actually Ilioner soldiers from the, the the nation of Ilion. And I think you can see knots of rank. I can't remember exactly, but these are, you're supposed to realize, I think that are good soldiers, they're, they're actually good fighters. And she just takes them all out, like pretty, uh, pretty effortlessly <laughs> other than the active labor. But, um, but yeah, and then you get the, the kind of the, the ending of that where this person with the sword is like, you know, right there when she's about to actually, you know, give birth, which is, um, you know, we get that reveal later as um, Tam Rand's dad. I just, I just thought that whole sequence was pretty, uh, pretty amazing. I really loved it. I was just like, cool we're opening up with this, the coolest fight scene i think i've ever seen in fantasy television <laughs> like hands i don't down. think there's i don't think there's been a better introduction to a character that i can think of but uh yeah i thought the the, the choreograph the choreography with it was really well done because the Aiel, you know they described their fighting as dancing and definitely came off as a dance and I love the fact that he she grabs the uh, cloak and yanks them <laughs> yanks the one guy by uh, I think you know it's just it just kind of highlights the how people would kind of get overwhelmed by you they just aren't used to fighting people who who are able to outmaneuver them like that yeah I can't wait till we see more IU yeah and then what happens next I guess we have our very awkward shouting for Matt in the dark I think that was the lowest point in the whole episode for me was just like that part but it's okay it makes sense yeah. they had to do it and it like it sets up sort of the interpersonal conflicts and drama that are very central to this episode right I thought uh, I thought that scene 
I think they did the best they could with, uh, and I think it works out because, um, you know, Moraine, you know, the, the, you know, you get Rand who is immediately really defend, you know, he wants to go save Matt and he wants to get him and, and make sure he's, you know, not going to be harmed. Cause you know, like also they were just running away from all these dark friends, which I'm sure now Matt's kind of like left defenseless to them um, as far as we know. Um, but then, you know, Moraine kind of elaborates and is like, well, if, if he is the dragon, he would be tempted by the dark one. So I actually think this has worked out for the best for everybody, <laughs> which is, I guess, true. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to place that. If that makes sense. Like Land says, like, what if he is the dragon? Then don't we lose either, either way if we don't have him on our side? So I don't know. I thought it was a good way to play off with, you know, with that character not being available, I guess, for the rest of the season or not. But, um, you know, I think it worked out, but I'm, I'm glad to kind of be done with that part of it and kind of get into the ways itself. Yeah. What'd you, what'd you think about that? I mean, the, the book describes it so, so viscerally how, you know, all the, 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 the scenery of it, how the light, the darkness is so oppressive. Did you, did you get a good sense of that? They were, they weren't, they weren't in there for very long, you know? Yeah, I did. I've, I felt like it was very, um, the way I pictured it going into it was kind of like how Eleven's like visions and the sensory deprivation tank is in Stranger Things where you just start (laughs) walking around in the dark and then when you get close enough to something you see it that's Mm -hmm. sort of what I pictured but then they just made it gross and scary and like (laughs) it looks like something that used to be really beautiful and well-traveled and was super useful as yeah. a transportation engineer, I was like, if that was a real thing where you could just walk <laughs> in a gate and then there's all these bridges and things that just connect to stuff, that would right. be so cool. <laughs> um, I'm really hoping we get a glimpse of the ways when it was in its prime at some point, just as someone yeah. who has no idea if that happens. Don't spoil it. That would be <laughs> interesting. I was hoping, I was hoping Loyal would give us a bunch of an info dump or some exposition yeah. about what's going on there. See, so mentioned that man finishes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they literally. I think. Uh, what is Rand? I think Rand says, "If he needs patience, we're gonna die," <laughs> which you know uh, proves to be maybe correct in the end. But um, I, you know, I think he loyal mentions that there were trees in there at one point. I don't think I've ever really thought about what it what it might have looked like beforehand, but uh, it definitely looks pretty terrible now. <laughs> What did you, I think when it gets to the, when they get to the part where Machin Shin shows up, which is this, uh, they call it the black wind, but essentially it's a, you know, essentially it's a sort of thing that gets into their heads, which is definitely a change from the book. But um, I kind of, I, I really like this change where it kind of starts to talk to them all and kind of speaks to their anxiety and, um, Here's kind of where we get that first part. And I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast yet, but I'm a huge Perrin fan. And he hasn't really got a whole lot of space to shine, I don't think, this season. And then they kind of let you know that he's at least, I don't know if he's actively pursuing a relationship or any sort of feelings with Egwene, but he's at least worried about some aspect of that, maybe a crush or something. I don't know, it kind of... uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm against it necessarily, but uh, it was an interesting choice. I'm, I'm not sure what to make of it, but um, I don't know. I feel all the, the sorts of anxieties everyone's playing off of, at least what we kind of hear makes a lot of sense for how everyone acts, I think, throughout the rest of this episode. Yeah, that was interesting. I've been kind of thinking, like getting ready for recording today how I want to talk about the Egwene and Perrin and Rand like love triangle as people (laughs) are calling it. Um, I didn't really see it. I remember watching a review for the first episode when they meet the Tinkers Mm -hmm. where someone was like, I didn't like the romance that they're setting up for Perrin and Egwene. And I rewatched it after watching that and they like snuggled because they were cold and they're childhood (laughs) friends. And I have a lot of 
platonic male friends and i don't think that that would be weird in that situation and right. it makes sense that you would care a lot and be really like tender towards someone and plus they just spent a couple months like pretty much only together so they're probably just closer in their friendship and i just never saw any kind of romantic anything right and going back to the ways it just felt like Nynaeve saw that Perrin looked sad seeing <laughs> Rand and Egwene snuggle right. and who knows what he was thinking about he could have been thinking about Layla and then with Machin Shin it just seems like it's an intrusive thought like you just have weird crazy thoughts all yeah. the time and you're just like like I don't know like sometimes I'm just like I could throw an egg at this person I'm not gonna <laughs> do that but like and I'm like right. I don't know why I had the urge to but I'm not going to throw an egg at someone it just feels like it's just something that if you're like oh my god I killed my wife and then I've spent all this time with my best friend and we're really close now <laughs> we must be in love and right. like, you don't really think that and then the other thing was like when they're in Min's bar, which I'm really excited to talk about Min, but we're not there yeah. yet. Um, Nynaeve sees them like goofing off and telling jokes to each other and is like, oh, they're flirting. But it's just, no, they have inside jokes. And I think that it was just Nynaeve being nosy. Yeah. Point blank. I, 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 just that's just like her. <laughs> I think she was reading into something that I don't think was actually there, but yeah. I think I think there there's some feelings I think maybe Perrin has. I don't think it I don't think Egwene has them for Perrin, but I think it's just some confusing, right? Yeah, I think I think he's also you know, Perrin's headspace, probably not the best, right? (laughs) Considering everything uh that everyone's going through, but particularly him. And then he's looking at Egwene and Rand cuddling together and you know, just maybe being jealous in general that he that Rand still has the person that he loves with him or you know Egwene and Rand have each other and he has you know a killed wife and that you know he did the killing of um so like the running thing with Perrin too is that he's just not as good with women as Rand and Matt are and it makes him (laughs) mad (laughs) I think that is a there's an element of that that uh there's such they're so old there's so much older now that I don't know what dynamic is at play there in terms of their friendship, but I think that is, that's probably accurate. <laughs> um, so then we kind of, I guess to move a little bit from there, we kind of get the actual. I, rant so much about that. I was like, this is, that... is my chance to speak my piece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything going on between them. <laughs> right. I don't think so, but you know. Um, so, you know, I guess we get, we get the actual, I don't know if it's clear in, in the show, the way that it's presented, but because Loyal says you can't channel in the ways because, but it's not because you can't channel. It's just because if you channel, Mach and Shin will come. And then we see the scene. So we won't get into the actual reveal, right? Um, since they kind of have that at the end of the episode, but where the Trollocs shows up and it, it does look like Egwene is channeling, but Rand's channeling eventually is what actually tosses the uh, Chalik back. But that that effect essentially brings Machin Chin there, and that's what kind of spurs the the next part of this, where you know Nynaeve, freshly having been been told that she's going to fail to protect all these people, immediately goes and protects everybody. <laughs> so I thought that was a, a pretty good way to like actually see that i don't know that these are actual real feelings it's just anxiety right she clearly can protect them and so probably parent doesn't actually uh didn't actually kill his wife in order to make room for Gwen, you know so i think that's that definitely plays into that um but yeah i love that scene because it's you know i guess a showcase nynaeve's like power and again we still at this point don't know who the dragon is and just being reminded that she's like really powerful and able to like allow uh, Moraine the time to actually open the way gate and they can you know, eventually get out of there. But uh, really yeah, I thought- That Moraine actually cares about her kids. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised by that. You know, I kind of, she's been so ruthless that the fact that she's worried about getting them killed was actually kind of refreshing to know. 
going back to the trollic like showing up at the triggering of bringing machin shin i thought the trollic the first time i watched it i thought the trollic just missed and fell because the channeling <laughs> happened so fast i was like oh wow that trollic over jumped yeah <laughs> <laughs> so sorry <laughs> no no i thought i thought it was kind of it looked sickly i can't tell exactly it was so dark but um yeah. You also in that moment, I think maybe the moment right before we see Pattern Fane, we get a glimpse of him, but you gotta have to like kind of freeze frame a little bit to see him. But uh he's in there. <laughs> we uh we don't know what he's up to at this point. I I actually have little I mean, I assume he's up to no good, just <laughs> just by virtue of his character. But um I don't know. I honestly have no idea what his goals are here. But um, but yeah, so that's the ways. I don't know. I thought I thought it was great. I thought that whole sequence was uh, short, but I think that's kind of been the way of most <laughs> most of the scenes. But um, but yeah. <laughs> all right. So Aldara. then they yeah they get to the fortress city as it's called. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's called that in the books. Um, I actually can't remember, but I don't know. I put this on here because I wanted to just kind of talk specifically about how it looked. It's, I don't know, from the other set pieces have been great, but this one I feel is, has been, it looks the best to me. It just made it seem more open and in the city itself, the actual, I guess the, uh, the, the, is it the fortress temple? Is that what they called it? I can't remember exactly what they called it, but, uh, you know, this is a, you know, essentially a place that's been set up to beat back the dark ones minions. And it definitely looks like that. And it just, I don't know it just looked way better than the other sets I think so far at least from that you know that outside view um but then I guess we could talk about too the actual people that we meet in there um we have Lord Algomar and uh his sister which I uh feel like for me cannot remember her name Lady Amelisa yes yeah um and we get a quick glimpse of Uno who mm-hmm. is a uh a pretty cool character fan favorite <laughs> from the book series but um but he gets introduced here with the eye patch which i think uh i i'm, I'm pretty excited to see him just just from nostalgia <laughs> but uh um but yeah what did you think of faldara at least how they've introduced it cool i mean first of all i was happy to be in a new biome and kind of just yeah. see the world expand a little more I was really excited to meet Lord Agumar just because he's just like very, like, I don't know. You like don't know where he's at, like ever. I remember correctly. It's kind of just like, he's very like proud, I guess. So it was really fun to meet him. And I don't know, just hear like, like my favorite part of Faldar is just Lan's relationship (laughs) to it. And kind of like, it's like, you're like glimpse into him a little bit and it like humanizes him although the show's done a really great job of making Lynn human yeah <laughs> I mean they definitely they definitely lean into it immediately when you get Uno who gives him like a you know a familiar sort of yeah. uh you know I think a hug actually mm-hmm. and then like uh Aglamar is really warm with with Lan but then really cold with uh Moraine so that's it's an interesting uh, thing because usually Borderlanders are super cool with Aes Sedai because you know they're mostly fighting uh, Trollocs, so they would probably you know love actual you know I would anticipate that they would be really help uh, happy that a Aes Sedai would show up, but here it, it seems he's uh, resistant to her being there, and he, I guess he blames his sister for having wrote to the Aes Sedai to bring Moraine there. But uh, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she's like, uh, I don't, I didn't actually do this. <laughs> so uh, back off of it. <laughs> One thing with this, the way that the city is sort of shown with the big drone shot type mm-hmm. footage is I can't tell if it's a very compact, dense fortress that's very like fortified, fortified right. fortress. <laughs> I'm tired. Or it does look if it's fortified. Huge That's true. Though. And like you get the sense of scale by how big it is by being next to all the mountains and stuff. I couldn't right. really tell if it's like massive or really compact. And then when you go around, 
it's just yeah. so i don't know that's all i, I think, just like, couldn't tell if it was huge or small <laughs> i think you're right because i well i mean at least in that my my perspective is the same because i can't really place it i i think it's supposed to be that it's really big and we're just kind of seeing it from a wide you know a zoomed out lens but it's the same with uh, Tarvalin when they showed the like cityscape view of it I'm just like this place is either like really you know the tower is huge <laughs> it's a similar feeling where I'm like I can't really place it because I've never really seen anything as big as what the you know what at least what they're saying the white tower is um as compared to the buildings around it and I think I think we're supposed to get a similar feel here um Tarvalin at least is a kind of brawling so you can get a sense sort of just that there's so many people and then the tower is just there and it's just <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean it's it it i guess it's sort of a testament to how protected everything is that you can't tell how many people are inside of it so it's still really yeah. cool it's just I want to know like, what's the population, like, right, me, right? The data sheet, I want the census data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am actually again. It's another part of this that really makes me excited for more seasons. Is they're just you know the the culture you could tell immediately they're blending all sorts of things. You have lands, you know, um, uh, from you know his people with the Hidori. The Malkir, sorry, I couldn't think of that for a second. Um, you know, you have his people there, um, or at least people that were from Malkir, with, and then you see others that have a different sort of dress, and probably, you know, Shinaran uh, people, and then just, just in the meshing be, of culture there. Would they all be places that were lost to the blight? Is that kind of the idea of who would be in Faldara, or is it sort of a place that people end up? It's just, that's um, the other thing. There's not like a big road is there right my book next to look I can't honestly and I'm <laughs> terrible about knowing how everything is placed I just know that the borderlands in Shinar so Faldar is in Shinar and all of those borderland nations are in the north and particularly where Faldar is placed is right in front of this gap they call it the uh Tarwin's gap Tarwin's gap yes um which you know I think I think you're supposed to get that maybe a bunch of the borderlanders maybe sort of congregate there since it's such a a place of attack because it's right in front of where you know the, the dark one would you know lead attacks from because it's easy way to get into the you know the overall area there so I don't know I think we're supposed to get that that you know but they just do such a great job with the costuming and stuff that um you know not everyone's wearing the same thing and you can see all the like sort of cultures bleeding in to everything there and there's nothing that's like so i don't simplify it it all is just so unique and uh but all at the same time it looks like you know this is what a, you know, a melting pot area would look like so i kind of think that they're blending a lot of uh the borderlanders in there um you know obviously more of the people are going to be from faldara but i think you can kind of see um they're trying to show that aspect at least that's what i got from it so excited to hear more about this i'm just so excited to see more places when they come up yeah uh this is probably one of my favorite things it's just the new every time there's a new city <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i'm super i don't know where they're gonna go because there's places that you know there's several places they go in in the first book that they haven't gone that i expect um they haven't gone in the in the show that i expect are going to come up Kamelin. that i'm excited to see camelin is definitely going to be one of those but there's mm -hmm. there's so many important places that um we'll have to see and they all have that sort of unique culture even when robert jordan describes all these places no one you know they'll be similar dressed um you know people because it fits the style of that place but uh it's always just so uniquely um and he spends so much time describing everything so i think they have a lot to work with in terms of uh how they're actually gonna you know have everyone looking in these various areas and uh, kind of excited for that part. Uh, Can I pause and ask a listener yeah. question real quick? Oh, yeah. Everyone's here. I want to know if you happen to listen to Minecraft, if the ways is inspired by the nether. Just if you're out there, I want to know. Or maybe I'll tweet about it because I'm now on Twitter. 
thanks to you, Marcel. <laughs> it's a great place to be. So we but yeah. are talking about one of the best characters in the <laughs> whole series. Please. Min. And I and I don't know what her whole name is. <laughs> it's Elmendretta. I think is her first, her actual first name. Her yeah. last name is Farshaw. Okay. Um. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I guess this is your favorite character, or at least you you your your number one stand, right? Um, but yeah, what do you what do you think of her portrayal here? It was everything I wanted. I don't know. <laughs> I was just like short boy clothes, really direct. I was like, this is a character after my heart, <laughs> like from the books. And then right when you first meet her, and you can tell that she's just flat out lying to Moiraine, but like telling her a little bit, just kind of giving yeah. Moiraine what she gives, like giving back what Moiraine gives to other people was really great to watch. Wait, um, so you thought you thought she was lying to Moiraine? 100%. Because then she had, she saw like totally different things when she was talking to Rand. Yeah, that's true. So. I'm curious. I'm curious as to how much she didn't say um and how much and i'm assuming what she does say she doesn't lie about yeah so i'm assuming that's true because we didn't we they very uh i think this is good that they didn't ex- they didn't show which of the visions we were supposed to see for Egwene or um Nynaeve, but she saw them over them and uh you know i think they they the way the the visions looked actually too were pretty cool yeah, it looks so much cooler than I pictured in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, in this the- pile is so dumb. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> in the books, it was more like dancing, like symbols that flickered like around people's head. Your, like a Sims thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is this makes way more sense. Um, yeah. I, I liked seeing the parent one. I thought, I, like, like I said, I'm a big parent fan. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready for whatever's coming towards this character. But uh, I... I think I have a sense of everyone's vision. Well, let me let me take that back. I have a sense of everyone's vision except for Moraine's and Rand's. Who's that? Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea where they're going with that. <laughs> and the uh, the thing about Moraine's downfall being the Armalin, I think there's actually some way we could speculate on that from in the show. I don't think this so is true. necessarily from the book, yeah. but um. Is it because yeah, I think she says, I'll obey Swan Sanche and not I'll obey the Amarlin seat? And then when she says right. the Amarlin seat, it might not be Swan Sanche. Right. She feel like she's going to get unseated. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know. I don't know what's going to happen. So, but it makes me feel like they're like setting that up and I'm going to be upset. Well, here's my first hot take. And again, Unless I don't. Unless she retires and goes and fishes and then I'm fine with it. Armalin served for life. So. Oh, they're not allowed to retire? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> they have to die okay. in office. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They might change that. Who knows? I I kind of saw it as, because I think we talked about this last episode, that the visions are kind of identified as bad, or the dreams, I should say, sorry. The dreams that they were having. And Swan is saying that her dreams are, what, are telling Moraine to go to the eye. Um and I'm thinking that perhaps what they see at the eye is not exactly what they wanted. And that perhaps is the downfall. <laughs> That's true. Now, I don't know. I don't know. Cause it could, again, I have, honestly, this is the part of like, I think we talked about this too last time. The eye of the world ends in such a strange way, a divisive way in the fandom. Actually, there's a lot of people who don't like the way it ends. I think we can be pretty sure they're going to change the way it ends in the show. So I have no idea what they're going to do. So I'm really just speculating based on what the show has told us. So I'm I'm kind of leaning towards the eye of the world. It's, it's a trap, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> like, it's so rushed and you're just like, this seems like such a bad idea. But yeah. <laughs> so then what happens next? So then they, the two rivers guys uh, get into a fight. Um and basically the fight, I think we're, this is, this is kind of where I think we have to use some of the, we had to do a little bit of work to understand what's going on, I think, because we get some input from what they hear in the ways. And just if you think about their all, all their stories throughout the season so far, 
uh, Moraine basically tells them, we got to go to the eye. And anyone who goes, <laughs> that's not the dragon will die. And even if you are the dragon, I think is you're going to die anyway. Like, you know, I think there's the the sense is that everyone here is going to die. So hopefully, you know, one of you guys actually wins this this crazy gambit that we're uh, we're going into here. So after she kind of lays that bomb on them, she gets kind of like, all right, talk amongst yourselves. And I think I think that's where all of that comes from. I think Perrin is just feeling Panic. feeling with Machin Shin told him and you know i think i think i don't think it's out of his character even even as like as a friend to hear the way the way rand is talking to uh Egwene. i mean it's just he, why didn't why didn't Nynaeve step in like he was being kind of absurd yeah um and then i think i think you know rand just twists it you know i feel like you know there's so many things playing there i think that's where parents coming from i think it's just that fear that that he's that he uh you know his crush with Egwene is so uh, basically fed into what he did. You know the accident with his wife, mm-hmm. and then I think Rand is just using it as an excuse to uh, push everyone away. <laughs> I think yeah. is kind of what's going on. And I think with the thing about Matt and like Rand being mad at Egwene for allegedly not liking Matt, maybe comes back to just them growing up together and just Egwene's parents her dad is the mayor and they own the wine spring inn so they're basically the wealthiest family and Matt is kind of set up as one of the poorest people in town and so I'm sure that like Egwene either thinks Matt's a bad influence or like over worries about him or thinks that they're not doing enough to make Matt behave better or whatever. (laughs) And just with how I'm sure it was very stressful for them to watch their best friend, not come with them into the ways when they're in this really scary situation for her to just be like, he left us probably hurt Rand just because he spent so much time protecting Matt and just like Matt's like his like I don't know I feel like there's their friendship is special even though like I know Perrin is also like really special and the three of them together especially at the very beginning I feel like Matt and Rand's connection is established a lot better than with Perrin and so I can see how that would just really hit a nerve with Egwene and then he would just be mean about it and then that would make Perrin mad yeah yeah and I I I think I on Twitter I I I think I tweeted out uh that I wanted to give shout out to uh that baritone and Perrin's voice when he gets angry I don't think I could stand up to someone uh speaking in that way (laughs) But uh, Rand, you know, he does a, he does a, a good shot of it. You know, he gives it a good a good uh, performance there before he backs down, as he, he probably should have. Yeah, yeah, I like how he just backed away. Just yeah, <laughs> I think it's this is this is I don't know how many times you ended up watching it, but uh, this is a good re rewatch episode because I think we're also I think you can also tell that Rand knows at least he knows more that he's probably gonna be he's probably the one. I think he's been thinking it the whole time. And maybe, you know, the fact that Matt was sick from the dagger that he kind of let himself not believe it as much because it, it, obviously Matt channels or at least that's what he thought. Mm-hmm. So um, I think all of this is just part of that too. <laughs> he, uh, he definitely, um, th- I guess I should say the performances here. I feel like this is, perfect uh, for all these characters because everything is exactly as the, as they would be <laughs> in, in my mind these characters all different situation for sure but they all respond in the way that the characters would and uh, I think uh, I think they do a really good job here but um there's a lot of controversy over this scene because of, particularly because of that I feel like this is one of my favorite episodes <laughs> yeah I, I think so too I loved it so much. I feel like we haven't gotten a chance to have them all together the whole season. Yeah. Except for Matt. But right. still, like just to have them all just interacting, even if it's super dramatic, which like I love the friendship drama throughout the series. It's one of my favorite things about it, that they're right. just like 
doing all this crazy like world changing things and they still are just like fighting like <laughs> teenagers or like someone from like vampire diaries it's just so funny to me yeah i think uh i, I think it does suck that we don't have matt in this because i think I think that's a key aspect of how this, at least between Matt or between Rand and Perrin, yeah, I don't think like relief. Yeah, I think I think Matt would have stepped in before it got there, and I think maybe this. I think this is naturally how it probably would have played out if if Matt wasn't there to defuse it, especially the way they've used him in the show. He um always seems to be the one to give like a joke or something to kind of break break the tension a little bit. So I feel like that was kind of missing there. So. I think you can feel his 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 absence um so but uh i think uh i think they do a good job and honestly i hope we get more scenes with them together because i think the season as a whole has lacked um with the 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 two rivers guys i feel like i just want more of them like that whole scene i was like wanting more of it (laughs) you know just more of them interacting i i really loved it and then yep. Nynaeve is just standing there, kind of embarrassed because <laughs> she was fussing over things she shouldn't have been, which is very Nynaeve. <laughs> right. I think, I think again, she over, I think she was reading into something that wasn't really a thing. But then when she brought it up, it, it gave Rand an excuse to lash out and it gave Perrin a reason to defend himself and, and you know, ostensibly if defend Egwene, even though she didn't need it, you know. Yes, there's a quick scene of Moraine and Lan mm-hmm. kind of, I guess, just discussing. I, I think the subtext of that conversation between Lan and Moraine is that they're going to, I mean, she says it in, in, a, in a way. She's like, everyone else who goes is going to die. And you five have, a, or you four now have a chance to one of you at least. But implicitly, that means Rand and Moraine would definitely die, like regardless. So I think uh, it's a weird conversation because they don't seem to acknowledge that. At least, maybe they don't have to because of the water bond. But um, I don't know. That was a, I thought it was worth noting. But it's a quick scene where she basically tells him to go say his goodbyes. I love the parallels from the last episode before Moraine goes and meets swan (laughs) also just like that like okay bye have fun (laughs) yeah it was like a a tacit acknowledgement that you know maybe you want to do this now (laughs) before we die tomorrow i like the wisdom (laughs) (laughs) i mean i i uh i love this this and again all of the romances even the ones that didn't really fully exist in the in the book have been done so well that i love all of them <laughs> way better than they do than they than they present in the books and particularly the land and naive um relationship i think has been really well done and fleshed out but uh i don't know how do you how do you think about that sequence did you I see it going there the whole time and i just thought it was hilarious <laughs> that naive was basically just stalking him yeah and just like awkwardly <laughs> standing there and hoping he would say something and i was just like this is a lot like how I was with my husband. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, you gotta give it to her. Cause that was certainly, I didn't, I wouldn't have expected her to do that. I was kind of surprised, um, especially when she goes into his room afterwards. I did not expect any of that to happen. So I think- He's uh, gonna die. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting that part of it too. Cause <laughs> there's always a present, uh, a presence of death in the, in the books just in, in the myriad ways that it could come. Um, but this is a more obvious or, or sort of definite death to come in the next day. Um, so it's interesting uh, how they would act in, those, in, that, in that situation. So it makes sense. And it, I thought her following him to meet the other, I guess his family, or at least people from Malkir. Um, family, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. They didn't really give names, but you got the sense that he knew them well. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I thought that whole whole thing was very interesting um, and, and well done. It was like the payoff that I needed. I was like, <laughs> they've got to just get a romance scene. They've been building it up so well. And it's just, right. you just want them to, even in the ways, they're flirting in the ways and you're just like, this is terrifying, <laughs> but it's just not because this is so funny that they're just flirting. <laughs> well, here's, here's the question. Did Moraine mask the bond beforehand? That's the the thing that I can't tell because he land says the day afterwards that 
he did ma- that she masked the, ba- the bond, but he doesn't really say when. And he looks pointedly at Nynaeve. <laughs> so I don't know if maybe he, she did it beforehand or not, but um, I'm interested. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if she like felt it and was like, uh-uh, no, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of get that too. Because I, I kind of feel like when he looks at her, he's just like, because I think too, this is going to play into land blaming himself because he's going to be mad that Moraine goes off by himself right and because he let himself you know actually you know yeah I think he's going to be angry with himself and probably uh which I think will be good tension but I think he'll probably push away from Nynaeve because Mm of this um I mean I guess the masking of the bond during it I feel like would be like an excuse for land to not notice after he wakes up or just being right. like Where's Moraine? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I like know. I don't know I like for all the for all the people that thought that you know he wasn't uh he he isn't like emotionless enough there's a lot of people who are angry about that I thought when he takes his shirt off and he's like battle scar ridden I think we could still get that the sense that this dude is you know he's still as badass as he is in the books he just actually has a heart and is a human (laughs) yeah I love that about the warders they very they give me a very like female gaze vibe that makes sense where they're like just like manly enough but then they're also not like afraid of those like quote-unquote emasculating things like they aren't right. they aren't like ascribing to that toxic masculinity because they're warders and they're badass and they don't have to be right. and that's <laughs> kind of very very land from the books he doesn't go out of his way to make sure that people knows he's a badass it's just you know it's implicit in the things that he does yeah so we get our fade to black land and naive scene all right we're, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sorry yeah. yeah, we do right back into the uh, the sex scene. <laughs> um, and then Rand and Egwene have a little chat by the archery area. I think this is a great scene because uh, I, I think they're, Rand and Egwene have such great chemistry. Uh, the actors, Madding, uh, what is it? Madeline Madding and uh, Yosha Stradowski. I think that's right. But um, they have really good chemistry and makes me, really believe and like this relationship um, as opposed to what we get in the book. So not to, you know, go too into what their relationship is in the books, but I think here they, they just, I don't know, it just seems way more believable and uh, the, the love there seems really uh, authentic. So um, I, I think it perfect, again, perfect characterization of, you know, Rand getting angry, or, you know, them both having an argument, Rand storming off and, uh, you know, brooding. <laughs> and then, you know, Egwene seemingly waiting for him to have come back. But then, you know, he knows that he wouldn't, she wouldn't have talked to him until she was ready. I thought that was uh, perfect. Like Egwene saying that she waited in her room for an hour is basically the most thing a Gwen thing <laughs> that yeah. she could have said just like her pouting and then just giving up and being like rand is stupid like i need to go talk <laughs> yeah. to i think uh i think the whole you know her saying that you know or at least rand acknowledging that she's going to go to the white tower and then him saying that you know he wouldn't let anyone else become her warder i thought all of that was very well done particularly when she tells him that it doesn't matter if he is the dragon, she's always going to be there for him or be, you know, stick by him. And I think, I think honestly, that's when he decides to do it. <laughs> I think, I think he was probably going to do it anyway, just because once Moraine tells everyone that they will die, <laughs> um, if they're not the dragon, uh, I think he starts to think I have to do this. Otherwise everyone will die here. And that, and he, you know, he basically said it in that argument I can't let anyone else, I can't lose anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I think, you know, it was kind of a foregone conclusion there, but I think the nail in the coffin is when she says that she will always stand by him. And I think that's just a great characterization of their relationship and why, why I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> then I guess that kind of gets into the big reveal. 
Right. So, I mean, Find out who the dragon is, allegedly. Rand and Egwene, you know, we've already seen them have their sexy time. So, it's more the after, <laughs> afterwards, where Rand is kind of contemplating it, you know, everything that's happened so far. And we slowly get the realization that, you know, he's been channeling. He also, this is interesting because I didn't, I expected this in the first episode, but uh, the fever dream from his dad, where mm-hmm. his dad is basically spouting off stuff incoherently after he was attacked by the trolley. I feel like I need, ahead of Thursday night, I'm going to do a rewatch of all of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Especially now that I'm done with school, I can do that because I'm, <laughs> um, I'm gonna watch for that. Like, just like those, like, if there's any like moments where it just seems like Rand is like, thinking about something that we're not really seeing, right? I just, I like really want to know what, or just if there's like any hints of it. Cause I was just watching for just any chances that maybe Rand channeled or something kind of supernatural like the thing with the steel door and kind of just going from there where they didn't actually show the weaves but when he starts to think about it he he knows that it's there Mm -hmm. especially when he does it in the ways which we alluded to in the beginning Mm -hmm. where his weaves we can see when he does it especially in the ways i think we can see him um with the, the the corruption um kind of I guess, you know, take over it the way we see with a, with um, Loghain, which I think was actually, uh, you know, very interesting because um, I didn't I didn't expect that they would kind of do a sort of reveal like this where there are things that happen that we didn't see from his perspective um, that, you know, in the end, I guess we're supposed to realize that he's been thinking about this stuff for a long time um, from the beginning. And I think, like I said, Matt also was kind of a relief from that a little bit. Cause it, it reminds me of that scene of when he's talking with Matt about, uh, you know, Matt's like, if I ever end up like Loghain, you know, basically, you know, get me, get rid of me before this happens to me. what about me? I really like this reveal. See Loghain laughing, going back to that. Cause now I'm curious, did they both see him having that laugh attack because it looked like a hallucination yeah kind of the way it was shot i don't i think the way it was shot it was it was a, it was a hallucin it was matt's hallucination okay because he might have looked up at them but he doesn't seem to uh at least Rand doesn't seem to notice it so i'm thinking that was just from matt's perspective Got um <laughs> but yeah i think uh i think he's got to be thinking about it then but, you know, the way the show has played it, I thought that was a pretty good way to kind of get ran, especially at that point, to kind of not be so concerned about it. Because at that point, he fully thinks it's mad, I think. Yeah. Um, so well done, I think. Uh, the reveal, the the Heronmark sword, which they don't really explain so much in the show, but the fact that they keep showing that Heron on the sword is uh, significant that I imagine they will explain sooner or later. <laughs> Eventually. they don't i feel right. like in the great hunt it comes up a lot more because he actually gets sword lessons i thought mm-hmm. that's much of a spoiler right yeah <laughs> he just like he never uses it sword, and then people are like that's a nice sword <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think it's it's a it's an interesting i don't know i kind of wish they would have given us a scene of tam handing him the sword and yeah, i don't know if I don't know how much help that would be for people, but uh, I don't know. I think uh, the the sword is significant. And I think um, the fact that uh, men actually kind of ties it all together for him. Yeah. I mean, my favorite thing was just Yosha's performance of it and his, just the grief and devastation in his face was just like, he did such a good job right. of kind of showing it. And I, I mean, I feel like, with the way the show is explained what the dragon is, they you don't really know how sad of a road it is to go down. Yeah. Um, and so I hope they kind of explain it before season two, at least a little bit, just to kind of 
give more because I just want to see more. But right, I I really hope they explain the dragon more next episode. They ha- I feel like they almost have to, yeah. Um, go a little bit into the lore uh, to kind of give the perspective, which you know, again, we still don't know the many-headed dragon theory. Uh, could still table. be in play. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not sure either. You know, it could work. <laughs> you could, you could perhaps. There isn't. I think you can. I don't know that many book readers would like this interpretation, but you could maybe say there's some element of that. Not. I don't know if that's outright in the books that there are. It's not outright for sure. They're well, all different tar- people, tar- but you're in right, and that's like kind of the pattern is weaving around all of them and they all have right. to play right so that's kind of yeah it's like rand's the dragon but he couldn't do it without the rest of them basically is what this sh- that's what the books reinforce over and over yeah. and i think uh i think that's kind of the case here too um at least the way they're playing it because men's vision shows them uh as connected and you know all part of the same thing and her visions of them were clear so apparently that means that they're more significant to the pattern. And then we see uh, Tam, Rand's dad, like un- unhelp- taking off his helmet to help uh, uh, Rand's mom, we find out, give birth. I think that was a pretty great scene too. We see there that that's, that's actually the sword that uh, the sword that Tam is carrying is the same one that Rand has. And so you're supposed to make all those connections. And then Min is the one who kind of finally just gives him the information like he you know she essentially says yes i actually saw your dad a long time ago in tarvalin and i saw the image of the sword and i knew that he was going to have raised the dragon reborn amongst sheep so i also loved the scene of just getting like rand and min a chance to just like have a moment together i was really for that and it was it was everything i wanted and more like right. I don't know. Sometimes the way that in the book the the like relationships are, are very corny in a way mm-hmm. that makes me sometimes a little uncomfortable. Yes, but this, was, this was exactly what I wanted. <laughs> like yeah. it was just like like they like clearly have like some kind of connection, and it was just like established right off the bat, and just like two minutes it was so cool it's so cool how much chemistry all of the cast has yeah they picked really the actors are just all all on point like i I really just hope that the (laughs) that they continue this trend and all the actors continue to be on this caliber which i imagine will continue to be the case as uh i don't know if we mentioned this part but apparently the wheel of time is amazon's most successful show ever so I imagine we're going to get more money thrown at it next time. I feel like one thing I saw on Twitter today was they were saying that like if someone discussing the special effects and someone was saying something along the lines of, I don't know why it doesn't look as good as the expanse, which I don't know if you've watched that show or like read the book series. I'm reading the books. I haven't watched all of the show, but okay. I've seen, I've seen the first episode and CGI does not look that great and I was like oh no this looks like a sci-fi channel thing which right. I think it was at some point then it got picked it up was. by Amazon yeah. and then it like got a bigger budget so part of me thinks that they were kind of not pulling out all the stops for season one just to I just I have very high expectations for season two yeah. <laughs> I think if you if you look the bar at other so shows <laughs> if you look at other comparable shows I don't think their first seasons were all that great either i mean game of thrones is obviously the one that comes to mind that first season did not look as great as people tend to think um so i think that's i think what this looks like is yeah i think there's some issues i think some stuff looks amazing some stuff is lacking in in the show but uh i think overall it looks really good so i think uh it'll only get better from here i think they don't cut their wolf budget like they did in game of thrones <laughs> yeah i'm worried about that you know the wolves need to be featured um i hope we don't get any reduction of wolves <laughs> going forward so yeah i think uh that's pretty much it then we get this sort of fake out at the end where rand is you know well i guess before that we get the scene where Egwene goes to Nynaeve's room 
and you know realizes that Nynaeve's not in her bedroom um but then she shows up and then so does awkwardly Perrin later <laughs> and then they realize that Rand isn't there and then they all kind of come to the realization that he has gone off to the eye of the world where um because like oh I guess Land comes in at that point and says that uh Moraine's amassed the bond and they all put it together there at the end then we see Rand go to Moraine say that he's the one and then they go to the blight which again looks this again they keep everything looks really good um so even when we were just talking about the effects I thought the blight did not it didn't look exactly how I expected it but this looks crazy I mean it's supposed to be a, a sort of wasteland but like one that's like feeding on itself in a way and all these weird dark things exist there and I'm like yeah I buy it from this place <laughs> the way it looks yeah, everything just like folded in on itself skull <laughs> just like yeah. stuck in a branch or whatever <laughs> and it's it's yeah I I think uh this sets up this last episode really well but um they're they're going through that awful place I guess to the eye again I don't really this is again like the plan walk. that's the one the plan seems like iffy yeah. <laughs> and you just know everyone's gonna follow them into the blight right or maybe not I mean they just show that like big trollic battle in the preview so. right let's let's go to the previews and let's do the uh the predictions and what we think is gonna happen so we we get uh in this you know, preview of our final episode, we get a look at the blight, which looks very blighty. But we also then get a Murdral who is ushering Trollocs towards what appears to be Faldara, um, the keep. And I don't know, this is this is conjecture uh, that I read somewhere, but this fade that we see in this trailer appears to be female. So, um, I'm not sure what to make of that other than that that's interesting <laughs> um but then we get a, a look at moraine what's that the robust yeah i know <laughs> um we get moraine looking haggard in the waist in the um in the blight and then we have the shinarans leading a charge which i guess is towards the the trollocs that we saw invading then we get this group. So this is a, this goes to some of the predictions here. Um, there's a shot of four or five women. Two of them seem to be Nynaeve and Egwene. And then the other three, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That probably is her. I don't know who the other two are. Also have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> it looks like they're about to do something. Yeah. Um, are they standing in front of the gap? maybe i don't know yeah it looks like it looks like they're about i'm assuming do something with the one power but you know who knows then we get um rand a quick shot of rand then a quick shot of matt which seems to be him at least maybe in tarvalin uh, i can't really tell where he's supposed to be at but oh that's but like you said it looks like reused a recolored version of something we've seen from him already, but I'm not sure. That's another thing we didn't talk about is Lorraine sending the Red Aja after Matt. Oh yeah, that's interesting. I think it it makes sense because it's a... I'm, I'm trying to think about it from her perspective. If she thinks Matt, if he is a dragon, would go to the Dark One because of the dagger, um, then the fact that he, if he was the dragon she's willing to just have him gentled in, instead of going to the dark one which she says she would kill them and, and not let them go to the dark one so it, i guess that makes sense i don't know what that means for matt though since seemingly he can't channel so i don't know what that would do to him but what else do we see in here and we see the trollocs rushing the wall right my favorite fantasy battle trope is monsters coming out walls <laughs> i have to say i'm i'm a little disappointed that they say fire for when they're, they're launching the arrows because you know they should say loose right what's that they have the big trebuchet thing i guess that makes more sense since they maybe are using crossbows yeah instead of arrows 
or um, bow and arrow. But um, but yeah, so we get a volley of arrows being shot from these little slits in the uh, the keep, the fortress. So they're utilizing their their advantage here. Um, let's see how well that does against these guys. But then we see Perrin running through the hall in distress. I don't know what this means. Could it be a dream? Maybe. I want to at least like one more dream thing. I think we should get episode. one. Yeah. I think. And then the other, I don't know if it's a cut scene or if it's a thing but do you want do you want to talk about pot on fane it's you know i don't know what this means again right this is if you're curious because there's a there's a part you know right that they don't really labor on parent comments on seeing pattern fane in faldara but we see him leave the waygate and that's all we see we saw him inside the ways and then we see him leave the waygate and then he goes into Faldara and he's there. We know he's there. We know also from previous episodes, he's been following them because we, we know from the whistling, which has been very well done. And I have missed it in several episodes. I had to go back to hear it. But then we outright see him in, um, in Tarvalin. And uh, we can maybe assume that maybe he's the one that uh, Leandrin's meeting. But uh, that's just, uh, just, just me guessing because who knows. Um, but they are seemingly they don't say how he gets through the ways or how he gets out we see that moraine has to channel to get in and out we don't know if he can channel but he's out of the ways so we assume and he's in there so um but you know the behind the scenes footage that you can get by going through the actual prime video uh, account you can see uh, a behind the scenes shot or at least a shot that didn't make the that didn't make the episode of him holding a leaf um that book readers will know as the way to get into the ways and in fact that's the way the only way to get in is using these leaves as essentially like a key and um it looks like that's how he did it but they don't show that in the episode so i don't know if we're supposed to believe what we're supposed to believe yeah <laughs> but you know he's in faldara so we don't know what his intentions are going to be and you know what he's going to do but I just imagine it's not going to be good because the first time we see Pattern Fane, he's in the two rivers during their festival. And when the Trollocs start attacking, he uh, kind of just, it's fine with it. Like he just kind of walks away un, un, unworried. So I don't think it's, it's not a mystery that this guy is bad and at least not afraid of Trollocs at the very least. So uh, yeah, hopefully we get something from that. I really think we need to pay off from all that mysterious pattern feigned stuff. Um, but I can't tell you how it's gonna manifest. <laughs> Basically, we just kind of get this part two that I wanted to bring up with you where someone says, all five of you have a part to play. And the voice I don't recognize. So I have no idea what to think about that one, but um, you know, maybe it's the dark one voice maybe it's the Here? maybe it's pat on fane's voice but it sounds different than when you know when we see him in the first episode so um and what does that mean all five of them have a part to play so is the five-headed dragon back on in the uh back on in the uh the theorizing here or i have no idea but uh they say it is going to be an epic conclusion so this is going to end with some sort of epicness that I'm very excited for. Like I said, the book, The Eye of the World, ends very crazily um, in, in, in ways that don't fully even make sense within the wheel of time itself, even. <laughs> like, even after the series is over, some of the stuff that happens at the end doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, I'm completely in the dark. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, part of it is I, I can't tell how many of the things that I'm picking up on that are like big hints about things that are going to be important are going to be a part of this conclusion. Right. You know, like, it's like, there's so many things that they opened up for the world, which I think is part of why we didn't get quite as much time with 
our like five main characters as we would have wanted to is because they're setting up so much for like the larger story yeah so i can't tell like how it's i have no idea i literally have no clue <laughs> i think i think they have to make it to the eye mm-hmm. um, and that's as far as that's as that's as much as i know um clearly the battle a the battle the with dark the, one right yeah yeah i mean i don't know um i haven't seen him in like five episodes right so right. i'm wondering if we get more looks at that guy and then do we does land fight in the in the battle against the trollocs or does he go to find moraine we don't and do preview yeah because it's he clearly leaves Nynaeve because he's not with her here when she's like standing in front of the gap uh with you know three other women and Egwene. um and then you know i don't know what parent's doing he's running around in the keep at least that's all we see. So I have I have I have no idea what he would do. Um, there's nothing for me to think about. Um, but it, you know, maybe he starts helping people inside when the tall the Trollocs attack. I guess. But um, yeah, I'm completely at a loss. It's kind of crazy. Lorraine <laughs> looks so exhausted that I wonder if she did some kind of like crazy channeling or something at some point. Yeah. Like clear their way through the blight. Because it just looks like it would take forever to get through it. And it seems like time is of the essence. Yeah. Yeah, she looks so haggard. Especially even in this episode seven. She looks like about done. She's ready to go to sleep. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for our second episode of the Great Honey Podcast. Find us on Instagram and Twitter as at Great Honey Pod. At The Great Honey on TikTok. And The Great Honey anywhere you find podcasts. As well as on YouTube. We'll be releasing new episodes every Wednesday. Until then, see you around.